Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. All right, so welcome to everybody here, everybody watching online as well. Uh, you know, I want to start this morning with a very serious, very important question. Okay, I need everybody here to participate. How many of you, when you were a child, you played with a toy called Jack in the Box? Okay, raise your hands up high. Come on, this is important. This is very important. All right. How many of you, honestly, because it's kind of creepy, right? You hated that toy as a kid. Yep, yep. All right. <clears throat> Me too. But guess what I have here this morning? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I brought a jacket, but no, I love it already. You know, I mean, yeah, who in their right mind thought that this would be a good toy to give to young, innocent, helpless children? All right, allow me to demonstrate, okay? Isn't that creepy music, like creepy, demonic, scary music? And at any time, at any moment, and you don't know when... But Jack is coming to terrorize <laughs> your kids. It's kind of worse when you're not looking at it. All right, yeah, all right. All right, so I hate this toy. Let me put this back in there. Get back in that box. Okay. He's coming back later, by the way. All right, so we're in this series called Voices from the Past. And what we're doing is we're talking about some of the classic hymns of the Christian faith. We're looking at the stories behind them, the theology. But let me begin with this. If you were to ask me, Brian, what is your biggest concern, or at least one of your biggest concerns for the church in America today? My answer would simply be this. <clears throat> I'm afraid that far too many people in the church, far too many genuine believers have too much love for this world. Like we're just too in love with the things of this world. And, and as a result of that, we who are followers of Jesus, we often live with a very real spiritual complacency. Like there's not an urgency for us to do the things of God. You say, well, how does this manifest itself? Well, I think you see it when Christians are more concerned with what other people think about them than what God thinks about them. You see it when we're more passionate about our own comfort than God's calling. Like you see it when we're more concerned about what we have than who we're becoming for the glory of God. And sure, we believe in Jesus, we're Christians, and we'll pray when we need something, we'll give when it's convenient, and we come to church, and we worship, we do churchy things. But for the most part, we hope that God does what we want. We hope that God will give us the kind of life we think we should have here on earth. And so my biggest concern is that there's just too much love for this world. And we become spiritually complacent. And so for this message, I have one hope and one prayer. Okay? My prayer is that God would give us, that God would give you, give me, give his church a hope for eternity and an urgency for today. A hope for eternity and an urgency for today. And to kind of prepare the environment for that to happen, I want to talk about the lyrics to this song, I'll Fly Away. Now, if you don't know this particular hymn, believe it or not, it's the most recorded Christian song, the most recorded hymn, the most recorded gospel song in the history of the world, okay? 
Is that surprising to you? Something about this song has resonated with people. In fact, there are many, many different recorded versions of this. Anybody want to take a guess? Go ahead. Let's have a little audience participation. How many recorded versions do you think there are? 10, 20, 23, 50, over 5,000. Yeah, I had to look that up several times. Uh, you know, for secular songs, yesterday comes in at 6,500, okay, by the Beatles. Over 5,000 different recorded versions of this song. Something about it resonates with people. So let me tell you this story. Uh, Albert Brumley, he's the man who wrote this song. He was born in Spiro, Oklahoma in the year 1905. Now, I didn't know where Spiro was, so I actually had to look it up online, okay? It's due east of Oklahoma City. And there are 2,122 people who live in Spiro, Oklahoma. Okay, they don't have a Walmart, but they do have a Sonic and at least one traffic light there. And I'm assuming that tornadoes flow through Spiro, Oklahoma, because tornadoes pretty much flow through any place that has the last name beginning with the state of Oklahoma, right? So 1905, Spiro, Oklahoma, Albert Brumley, he writes this song. But you got to know the context of his family. He grew up in an extremely impoverished family. As a little child, he, in order to pay the bills, worked alongside of his siblings and his parents picking cotton just to contribute to the family. When he was five years old, his brother died of typhoid fever. And so Albert was very familiar with grief and with poverty. Now, the song was written during his college days, but he said the lyrics to this song were actually born in his heart when he was hurting as a young child. And he was longing not for the blessings of this world, but for the glories of heaven. And this is a portion of what Albert Brumley wrote. Some glad morning, when this life is over, I'll fly away. To a home on God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. When the shadows of this life have gone, I'll fly away. Like a bird from prison bars has flown, I'll fly away. So my hope is that God would give us a hope for eternity and an urgency for today. And if there's one part of the Christian faith that I believe God could use to give us hope for eternity and urgency for today, it's talking about what this song talks about. The time when Christians will leave this earth and they will be taken away to be with God forever. And we call this the rapture. And I just want to acknowledge up front this morning that if you're not a believer in Jesus, I know what we're about to talk about today may sound really, really weird. Okay, I get that. It is odd. As a matter of fact, even if you are a believer in Jesus, what we're talking about today is going to sound kind of weird. I mean, it's odd that at any time, right, at any moment, and you don't know when, but when you least expect it, Jesus is coming. And if you think I'm going to let that play until it pops out again, you're sorely mistaken, okay? <laughs> I'm not going to do that twice in any given message. But at any time, like you don't know when, boom, Jesus is coming. So I want to talk about the fact that one day Jesus is coming back. But first, I need to give you a little insight into this book here. This will kind of prepare the way for it. A lot of people, we look at the Bible, we think of it as if it's just one book. But you need to recognize the, the Bible is actually a collection of 66 different books written by 40 authors over a span of 1,500 plus years. 
And the Bible contains a lot of what we call prophecy, which is simply something that's predicted to come. In fact, of the 66 books in our Bible, only four do not contain some kind of prophecy. Scholars tell us that somewhere between 20 and 30% of this book right here is devoted to prophecy. And a portion of that deals with the time when Jesus is coming back to take his people out of this world. And I know, I know, I know that sounds kind of wild. And it would be difficult for me to believe if there weren't already so many prophetic events that have been recorded in the scripture and have been fulfilled. For example, the Old Testament was written by many authors over a span of a thousand plus years. And hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before the birth and life and death and resurrection of Jesus, many of these authors prophesied exactly what would happen in the life of Jesus. And so I want to take a look at some of these prophecies, because these prophecies, they were fulfilled and documented in the New Testament Gospels. Just to build your faith in God's Word, I want to show you some of the prophetic events related to Jesus. And keep in mind, these prophecies were written hundreds of years before they happened. And if you want to, you can look them up in God's Word. You can test them for yourself. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to give you the Cliff Notes version here. And what I'm about to talk about is some exciting stuff. Okay, it's a little exciting, and some of you look a little bored, so you know, I can't share exciting news with you unless you're with me. So are you with me? All right, all right here we go. This is good stuff. All right. It was prophesied of Jesus that he would be born of a virgin, and he was. And in Bethlehem, which is where he was born, it was prophesied that he would come from the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he did. And then he would ride into Jerusalem one day on a donkey, which happened. It was prophesied that he would be rejected by men. That happened. Betrayed for a payment. That happened. And also that he would be silent before his accusers. That happened as well. It was prophesied that he would be falsely accused. It was prophesied that he would be crucified beside criminals, given vinegar to drink. All of that happened. It was prophesied that his hands and his feet would be pierced, that they would fight over his garments, and that none of his bones would be broken, all of which happened. The Bible, in fact, prophesied that Jesus would give his life, be buried in a rich man's tomb, rise from the dead, ascend into heaven, and be seated at the right hand of God the Father. And folks, all of that that was prophesied about Jesus has come to pass. So I don't know about you, but that builds up my faith big time. And what's crazy to think about is that those are just a few of the prophecies related to Jesus, not all of them. And if you were to total up all the prophecies related to Jesus' first coming, I want you to realize that there are five times as many that talk about his return. And so that's what we're going to talk about today because that's what I believe God could use to give us hope for eternity and an urgency for today. All right? Three thoughts that'll give us eternal hope as Christians. The return, the rapture, and the reunion. The return, the rapture, and the reunion. Let me just pause here because did you know that God is smiling in heaven right now? And you know why? It's because God loves it whenever a preacher begins each of his points with the same letter. <laughs> yep. They taught me that in seminary. Alliteration pleases the heart of God. Pleases the heart of the pastor. 
Some of you go, man, you must live a dull life to get excited about alliteration. Now I do. Okay. Let's go. Here we go. First, let's talk about the return. We believe Jesus is coming again. You know, he's actually coming twice. Once in the rapture to take believers away, and then we'll meet him up in the air when that happens. But then again, he's coming down to reign over this earth. But for the purpose of the message today, I just want to talk about the first return. I want to talk about the rapture. Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our King, he's coming back. I mean, that's pretty exciting stuff. This is what Jesus said in John 14, 1 to 3. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. That were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. You know, that little promise made a big, big impact in the early days of the church. Back in the first century church, the Christians were under enormous, extraordinary pressure and persecution. And they were acutely aware of the fact that to even acknowledge that they were following Jesus meant that they could be beaten and whipped and tortured and flogged and burned at the stake and crucified, beheaded. I mean, they were in constant danger. And because of the kind of commitment they had, you can imagine the bond they shared whenever they would encounter a fellow believer, someone else who believed in the risen Christ. So here's what they would do whenever they greeted each other. What they would do is they'd kind of lean in, and they had a little code word, like a secret handshake or something. What they would do is they would say, Maranatha, Maranatha, which meant our king is coming soon. Our Savior's coming. It may be bad now, but Jesus, he is coming back. He's coming back. Now, the Apostle Paul told his disciple Timothy that there is a special reward, a special prize, a crown in heaven for all those who long for the return of Jesus. Check this out. This is 2 Timothy 4.8. Now, there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. In other words, those who are not so in love with this temporary world that is fading and will pass away, but who long for the glory of heaven, there is a special crown in store for people who can't wait for Jesus to come back, who are constantly thinking, man, this could be the day. I long for the coming of Jesus. You know, for much of my life, I have longed for the coming of Christ. I really have, except for one season, okay? When Wendy and I were engaged to be married, we had to wait for 16 months. I prayed, Lord, don't come back right now, okay? (laughs) Just got to be honest with you. I said, yeah, let me get married. Just give me three, six months, maybe a year, and then you can come back. Deal? All right. So I just needed to confess that to you. So now I can say, Maranatha, right? I'm excited now. Our king is coming back. Maranatha. This is how the Apostle Paul described it in 1 Thessalonians. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. I don't know if you know this or not, but, but in the Bible, 
when they would blast a trumpet, it usually signaled that they were either going into battle or they were going on a journey. Well, when this trumpet sounds, Jesus is announcing a future battle, and he's taking us away on a journey. He's taking us away. So the trumpet, it blasts. There's the shout. And then the dead in Christ, it says, will rise. And can we just pause and acknowledge that that sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? I mean, honestly, it really does. I'd give anything to be driving by a cemetery when that happens. You ever thought about this? I mean, how cool would that be? I was trying to think about it this week. What is exactly is that going to look like? You know, it's like a hand going to come out first, like skeleton stuff. No, at least I hope not. I don't know. I don't know for sure. But that trumpet is going to blast, and then the archangel is going to shout, and, and then the dead in Christ will rise. And, and of course, their bodies are going to be all decayed, no doubt about that. But I don't think we're going to see a semblance of a hundred or a thousand-year-old body coming out of that ground. You know why? Because the Bible says that we are going to receive new glorified bodies. We get new bodies, people. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> Woo! How many of you are excited about trading in your old model? Okay, let's just raise your hand. Way less hands in Sun City, just, just saying. Every single. I'm looking forward to that personally. It's kind of like if you, if you put a seed in the ground, what happens to that seed? Well, the seed dies. But then what happens? Well, a life comes from that dead seed, right? A little spurt, a little plant, a little flower. A life comes from death. So the trumpet sounds, the archangel shouts, and then, like, from the ground, these new glorified bodies come out. That's the return. All right, the second thing is what we call the rapture, and this is when the living Christians, the ones who are still alive here on earth, are going to be taken away. Paul said the trumpet sounds, and then the dead in Christ are raised, and he says after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up. It's the Greek word harpezo. It means to be snatched away. It means to be rescued. We will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. You know, Brumley said it this way, I'll fly away, O glory, I'll fly away. In the morning when I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. And there's some mixed uh, metaphors in the song there. Some of it could be when you pass away. It could be that you're still alive. Either way, the glorified bodies are going to go. We're going to fly away. So you should be ready, right? Because you never know. At any moment, at any time, the trumpet could sound, and Jesus could come back to snatch you away. Harpezo, raptured. And I think knowing that truth, believing that truth, should give you a hope for eternity and an urgency for today. At any time, and you ought to be ready because the Bible says that Jesus is coming at an hour and you do not know when. Harpezo, raptured, taken away. And admittedly, it sounds like something from a sci-fi movie, something you see on Netflix or something, right? But you have to understand, this is not the first time such an event has been recorded in the Bible. There were other times when people were harpezo, they were taken out of this earth. Back in the Old Testament, Enoch said he walked closely with God and suddenly he disappeared. He was not. God took him away. 
Elijah in the Old Testament, he's walking along, talking with his servant, when all of a sudden a chariot of fire swoops down and whirls him up to heaven, taken away. Jesus in the New Testament, after the resurrection, he's taken up in a cloud and he's going to heaven. Again and again and again, we see in the Bible and we believe by faith that one day the trumpet of God will sound. You know, the archangel will shout. And then the dead in Christ will be raised. And after that, those who are still alive are going to be snatched, rescued from the coming tribulation. They'll be taken into heaven. So we see the return, and then we see the rapture, and then the four, third rather beautiful R letter here is the reunion, okay? The reunion. What's that going to be like? Well, quite simply... The people of God, Christians, will be with God and, of course, with each other forever and ever. This is how Paul describes it. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them. See, we're all together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. People, we're going to be with the Lord forever. And how awesome is that? This is the way Brumley said it. Just a few more, just a few more weary days, and then I'll fly away. To a land where joy shall never end, I'll fly away. Encourage one another with these words, the Bible says. So I came to encourage somebody today. And I don't know where you're at today. Maybe it's someone who's hurting, someone who's grieving, someone who's lost something valuable, someone who's afraid of what's to come, someone who's burdened by the temporary pain this world deals all of us all the time. If you have put your faith in Jesus, the Bible says you're in Christ, and the promise of God is that you will be with him forever and ever and ever. And in that moment, and for all eternity, there will be no more pain, no more heartache, no more sickness or disease, no more death, no more poverty, no more shame, no more hatred, no more racism. There will only be glorious, abundant life in the presence of God. So let me encourage you with this word, Maranatha. Maranatha. Our King's coming soon, and we will be taken away. We'll be united with God in heaven where there's no pain, no tears, unending joy. Which, by the way, is why it doesn't make any sense to live for this world, people. It's, it's a waste. Which brings me back to my biggest concern for the church in America today, that we are far too in love with this world and the things of this world. It's a waste because it's not going to last. And hear me on this. I'm not talking about adopting a who cares, let's just trash this planet kind of mindset. No, we're to be good stewards of this earth. But we don't fall in love with the things of this world. You know, our focus should be on that which will last forever. God, God's kingdom, and God's agenda for our life today. Which is why... Today is an opportunity for me to share God's love with people. Today is an opportunity for me to show grace to people. Today is an opportunity for me to steward whatever God has given me 
and to reach out and, and meet people's needs. I should live with a hope for eternity and an urgency for today. This is what Paul said. He said, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It'll happen in a moment, in, in the blink of an eye. When the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work, how? Enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Now, because time is short, people, here's your assignment. I won't leave words unsaid, deeds undone, or hope unshared. I won't leave words unsaid, deeds undone, or hope unshared. Because time is short, I won't leave words unsaid. Now, some of you, you've got some words to say. You've got some encouragement you could give. You've got some love that you could express. Because time is short, we will never, ever withhold a blessing. We'll let our words give life and encouragement and build other people up. Because time is short, we also won't leave good deeds undone. I mean, do you recognize the fact that you are God's masterpiece and that you were created in Christ Jesus to do good deeds, which God prepared in advance for you to do? You've got a heavenly divine assignment today and every day. So don't leave good deeds undone. And then finally, don't leave hope unshared because you carry the hope of eternal life, the knowledge of the good news of Jesus. Maranatha, our king is coming soon. So let people know about this God who loves them, who died for them. Folks, when you recognize the truth of what we're talking about today, when you really believe it, when you really embrace it, you know what will happen? I think you'll start to love this world less and less and less. And you'll start looking forward and living for the kingdom that is to come. That's what will happen. And then what will happen? Well, you're not going to be as obsessed with Instagram, okay? You're not going to get all just over the top excited about whatever, a new purse, a new car. Like your highest calling is not going to be a boat or, you know, a new bass guitar, whatever it may be, right? It's not going to be that. You'll start living for that which lasts forever. Hope for eternity and an urgency for today. Because time is short, we won't leave words unsaid, deeds undone, or hope unshared. Let's live by that. Heavenly Father, such a simple little song. There's not a whole lot to it. And yet, it, it resonates with us for many reasons. I'm sure because of the, the pain, the heartache that Albert experienced as a young child, he couldn't wait to be free from that. So God, I pray if nothing else, we would take our eyes off of the stuff of this world, the things of this world that we give too much attention to. That we would have that hope for eternity. That we would live 
with that expectation that any moment, any moment, boom, you could appear. And that we will be raptured, we will be given glorified bodies, we will be united with you, Lord, and with each other, all the believers, forever and ever. But God, that does not mean that we just sit around and look up at the sky and wait and wait and wait. No, you've given us something to do. You have created good deeds for us to walk in. So today, tomorrow, for the rest of our lives, may we not leave words unsaid, deeds undone, or hope unshared. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, this morning... If you have questions about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, or maybe you just have a prayer concern you'd like to share, we're going to have volunteers in either side here in the alcoves. They'd love to pray with you. Otherwise, you guys have a great week in the Lord.